Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Two podcasts in two days. We are so efficient, I can't even contain myself. Oh, we're gonna do one every day for the rest of the year. That's my that's my well, that's too much. That's too much. Yeah. Yeah. People people asked us to do a daily podcast and I was like, uh, <laughs> hard pass. How about we just hard be friends? Pass. We'll just do that. <laughs> How about you could just send me an email a day and I'll we'll, we'll deal good. with that. Yeah. That'd be fine. We'll start our own email newsletter. It'd be good. Just what's new with me? I had green tea this morning. Yeah. That's all I got. Shameless plug to our uh, our NCAA tournaments uh, selection Sunday podcast. If you have not listened to that, please go do so. Um, and it's still probably fresh in your feed right there. Definitely go listen to that. We talked about a ton of different stuff with SEC teams. We made our predictions. Today we're not going to talk as much tournament stuff, but we do have an interview with Tom Hart coming up that you're definitely going to want to listen to. He's had such a great up-close seat for all these SEC teams throughout the year. He's going to be able to provide some good insight on all things SEC. And then we have a few a few topics to get to. We're going to talk about this Coach O extension that's being reported. Uh, we're going to bring in the man, the legend, Coach O, to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and then we got teams apparently already tanking for Tua, which, you know, we'll... we'll we have a lot of thoughts on that that we were talking about before we came That's on. Ridiculous. And then Johnny Manziel is back in America playing football. What a beautiful thing that is. But before we do that, we have to talk about our friends at Ticket City. And I, I need to throw this out there. And if don't just skip through this because I, I'm, I'm confessing something. I was wrong. I was dead wrong about something that I said yesterday. Oh boy. If you listen to our March Madness pod, I opened our Ticket City ad by saying, oh, yeah, a lot of SEC teams have pretty drivable games. Yeah. I actually looked it up. I think there's maybe one, and I think it's just Tennessee. <laughs> I think Tennessee is, like, the only one that has a drive under Columbia and Jacksonville. Hours. That's not too far. Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah, Columbia, but Columbia isn't driving to Jacksonville. What are you talking about? So, no, Ole Miss, I'm saying Ole Miss is playing in Columbia. That's drivable. No, it's it's like eight and a half hours. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I looked that up too because I was curious about that. But um, so basically what my point was is that, you know, you're going to have to, if you're, maybe you have to be local to be going to some of these games, but maybe you are in some of these, these, these areas. Maybe you're an Auburn fan just chilling in Utah like, man. <laughs> I'm just so happy that Auburn's playing in Salt Lake. Or maybe you're an LSU fan sitting there in Jacksonville, and you're like, finally, you know, the, the Jacks just got rid of Blake Bortles, but all is good because LSU is playing in the NCAA tournament in Jacksonville. That's right. Tick, if you're an Auburn fan in Salt Lake, you can get tickets on TicketCity.com for $32 for a session. Now, keep in mind, that's that's two games. Two games. I, don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever done the session thing with the NCAA tournament. It's awesome. You get to go to two. You get to watch two different games. It's the perfect way to spend an afternoon. It's really, really intense. You get a good variety with with the crowds that coming in and out. It's a lot of fun. I recommend it if you have not done it yet. If you're in the area, do so. Do so on TicketCity.com. They're going to have your tic- your your hookups for all things NCAA tournament tickets. There you go. Okay. So. We, we alluded to this in the open, but Coach O, as, being, as it's been reported by Sports Illustrated's Ross Dellinger, is getting that raise. He's getting that extension. But the raise is only five hundred grand, which, yeah, to, to a common man, that'd be great. We'd take that any day. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, but, but you're Coach right. O, that is not. <laughs> Coach O is not the common man. So I'm interested in what your initial thought. Well, I think we had the same initial thought when we saw this report that his deal is being, his, his deal was three and a half million dollars a year annually, and now it's being bumped up to four million dollars pending board approval, and he gets two years tacked onto the deal. So now it's going to run through 2023. That all according to Ross Dellinger. But I had an obvious thought when I read this, and I'm sure you did too. 
Um, I mean, Coach Ogle will make it rain, first off. Um, no, I, I was – so that's a 14% raise, and I'm not – I'm not um, – what's the best way to put it, uh, adult enough to understand what most normal jobs would get year over year in a raise situation. I could ask my fiance, but that'd be weird to talk finances on the podcast. Um, cause she has like a quote unquote real job, I would say. But in this industry, I'm shocked. I'm you even like you think about all the accomplishments that don't feel like they were as impressive as what order on LSU did last year. And how a lot of coaches and their agents have parlayed that into a pretty wealthy contract. Now, usually that is from going from place to place. Like you, like usually, like when Kirby Smart got like a raise or he got um, any of his bonuses last year, like when they got to the national championship game, that's obviously different because he's already at the school. Same with Orgeron. I just thought he would at least get bumped up to five. I did too, and I thought that he was criminally underpaid, yeah. considering what he what he did last year. And we've talked about this multiple times in the podcast and we brought on Peter Burns and you know he basically said why do you have to give him this raise why do you have to give him this extension I know Ralph Russo of the Associated Press was tweeting about that as well and I'm sure a lot of LSU fans are like why did they just give him more money it seems like they just threw it at the at him for no reason whatsoever and what? as I've said many times <laughs> agents propose this and it's yeah. all about it's all about leverage in these situations and what this tells us is that he didn't quite have the leverage that that you know that we and I don't want to say that I don't he think has it's leverage, that. but you do these type of moves because you do it for recruiting purposes. You can't have a coach that is under contract for less years than what it would be for a current recruit to go to that school and right. be there for three, four years. Right. And his deal only ran through twenty twenty one, so you knew the extension was going to come. But you give him the raise just because if there's any sliver of a doubt that he's going to leave and potentially go to USC and have this, this this revival as a head coach, then you throw that out there. And I know LSU fans are like, if he really wanted to go to USC, you don't think we can get somebody better than uh, him? You think that Orgeron's going to leave Baton Rouge, Louisiana for LA? <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, no, so one thing that was – that I, I hate to say this because I don't want to ever dismiss or, or kind of um, minimize like the job for Orgeron, but it honestly felt like – he was almost like an not interim coach, but it felt like him getting this extension was was finally going to solidify him being the guy at LSU. Right. Because you know he took over for Ordron. He took over for I mean for Ordron. He took over for Miles. And he took over for Miles pretty early in the season. People forget that. Like I mean, it was what like after four games of the year, two and two they went. Yeah, they right. lost to Auburn and then he takes over. And yep. so he, they go six and two the rest of the year with him. And and he's done a really good job there, but they're still going into this year, like or going into like this past season, he'd only been there for basically a little over one and a half full, like or one and a half years. And again, eight games of that was an interim coaching deal. I kind of thought after this season, even though he was already on the hot seat before the season started and people were doubting him, that this contract would at least solidify his position. Not saying it doesn't, I guess, because I think that they are committed to him. But I'm surprised that they didn't solidify his position and status where college coaches rank in terms of strictly from being paid. Because his, his, he was getting $3.5 million, that was, what, 36 in the country? Yeah, it was right next to, to Chad Morris. I mean, that's, right. that's what we're talking about here, somebody who hadn't coached at a Power 5 school before. And I think, well, now the way that the 2018 salaries break down, if you just threw his, his current salary, what he's going to be making among the 2018 salaries, it would be 25th in the country. And I'm not sure if they looked at that number, if that they was a round to. number that they pointed to. Probably was. Um, I, I, I don't know. I know exactly. he, I would have if I was him. 
Yeah, I mean, you want to be built different than me, but I mean, like, it's still, it, it's, it, it really, I think it says a lot about the selflessness of him and how committed he is to the school way more than it says about the school being committed to him. Yeah, it, it does. And I know that he has wanted to keep the, the salary pool uh, significant. And LSU has gone about it, 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 in my opinion, a very um, economically sound way after the way the Les Miles thing all fell out. And now yeah. that they don't have to pay that buyout anymore, you thought there was going to be a little bit more money on the table. But Which it was. turns out... Yeah, I mean, it turns out that, that there's not. And they did save that money, but they're going to use it to, to allocate to, to the assistance. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. I, I, I was just surprised to see that, you know, they were still not making that, that leap of faith with him. Right. And th- that he wasn't, and I'm not saying he was going to get the Kirby Smart money, but I thought closer to five. And do you think? I thought five. I thought that was the number. Yeah. And, and again, like $5 million is a lot of money. But when you talk about like, like Kirby's getting seven million. I think Kirby is every is worth every penny of seven million dollars. Okay, but five million dollars a year is not really where this like crazy bar is set anymore for collegiate right. coaches. And and again, when you look at how much Aranda's getting paid, and Aranda's a great coach, but two and a half million dollars as a as an assistant and a, and a coordinator. I again, I love the fact that what he's doing and the selflessness of what Ordon is doing to, to have like more continuity with that staff. But I tell you what, if you're getting paid, like, if it's not, if I'm not getting paid double what you're getting paid, and I'm the head coach, you better have a number one recruiting class or you have a number one defense in the country year in year out. Right, right, yeah. And I had one other takeaway when I first when I first read this, and I, I tweeted this out as well. You know, Coach O's not represented by good old Jimmy Sexton. He's That's... one of three SEC coaches not represented by him, and I just can't help but wonder. If Jimmy that Sexton would have got like eleven million dollars and a new pet tiger. <laughs> that so what? If you guys don't know this, Orgeron actually is represented by two puppets that he actually goes into meetings with and just play, does the whole role play thing. I, I, I will, like the leverage thing is weird because this is something where you see like in sports like very few times like you hear coaches say it. We heard it like Urban Meyer said with Ohio State. We've heard other police like play, I remember Dennis Francione said it when he went to Bama and Texas saying it was like this is a dream job. This is my dream job. I was like, well, you just left your dream job for A&M, so what's that about, bro? Orgeron, I think, is at his dream job, and he's loving every minute at LSU, and he, he loves LSU and the state of Louisiana. I think that might have hurt him here. Because, I mean, look, what's he going to do? Like, I don't think he's going to L.A. No, and I don't either, but it's just it's just the possibility of that being thrown out there that you don't want any any bit of uncertainty because we've seen what it can do yeah. for negative recruiting and all that. So You don't pay yeah. any money, I'll go out to Vegas right now and I'll do a Siegfried and Roy thing by myself with Tigers. Coach O, did you have a number in mind for when you walked into Joe Oliva's office and you're like, hey, let's this is where we need to start, and here's what we need to get to. I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. I walked in. Let me tell you something, Connor. First of all, how you doing? Happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank you. That means Day a lot later. coming from you. Do they celebrate that. that down there? We don't celebrate a lot. We have crawfish season. That coming, all right. coming yeah. on here. I knew uh, that. We just got to Mardi Gras, which is called St. Patrick's Day for grown man stuff, okay? Our livers are, I mean, <laughs> you got no idea. <laughs> Our livers went through two days, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I walked into Joe Oliva's office. I said, Joe, I'm a leaving you. If you don't pay me the money, he said, "How much you want?" And I, some people say this wild man mistake. I said sixty nine dollars. <laughs> I just broke character, damn it! <laughs> Cut, coach. That was that was good. That was good. That was all you needed to say. I mean, like I, I really do. This is one of those things, like where we've said it on here before. Like, like I. 
when I used to bartend, I made a lot of money and I enjoyed it and stuff like that. But I've never had more fun than doing yeah. Then I've I've never had more fun than doing this job, and I think that I could easily see Orgeron just go in there and being very. He's he seems like a very genuine dude where he's not going to be like the used car salesman type thing we heard or being super pushy for money where it's like, you know what? I love being here. You pay me whatever you want. I'm gonna stay here. Let's not make that reference, but for used car salesman why? Is that about let's, certain other coaches that are getting paid higher, higher than him? Yeah, that's fine. Let's, not, let's leave it at that. Let's not make that reference in the future. But okay. let's not also compare you working as a bartender to Coach O working at LSU. Oh, I know. Just I used saying. to make a lot more than him, so it's fine. This is true. This is true. <laughs> All right. So, Coach O, the extension looks like it's going to happen. How about this? This I, I know people give us crap for talking about Bama a lot, but this, this we is We haven't this talked is about Bama in a while. We have not talked too much Bama. And I, I'm... When I saw this headline, it was one of those, wait, that came from a real Adam Schefter account? Like, that's that's him? The verified Adam Schefter? Apparently, the Miami Dolphins are eyeing Tua in 2020. So that means that they are probably going to bypass a quarterback in this current draft. So, sorry, Drew Locke. Um, but they are not going to draft a quarterback, and they traded for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic. <laughs> and so now what that means is the door is wide open for Tua to be able to step in and take the Miami Dolphins to the Super Bowl and do what Dan Marino couldn't, right? I don't, what, save Snowflake from Finkel and Einhorn? Is that an Ace Ventura reference? Because that yeah. movie is incredibly overrated. Oh, my God. Okay, anyway. So here's the thing. Um, I First off, the second one was overrated. The first one was good. Anyway, moving on. Didn't know the, the, Tannehill thing, the Tannehill thing is not, I, I, like, I wasn't that surprised. Now, keep in mind, Tannehill was a receiver in college, right, until like his last year. And then he was a top 10 pick. I think he was picked eighth overall in the draft. He was picked eighth overall. Yeah, so, picked eighth overall in 2012. Right. So I, I'm not surprised they were different because he hasn't really done much. There was like always, always a lot of like, my least favorite word growing up, potential there. And they they didn't really do much. I I mean, Fitzmagic, sure, that's great. Like, I, what, what do they go from here? Seven and nine to what, eight and eight? Like, they, I don't, they're not like, I don't think they're going to, I really don't want to believe they're doing this for Tua because I hate to say it, even as a Bama fan, I don't think Tua is like the, the going to save your franchise. Oh, that's interesting. And See, I mean that strictly because of his talents, not because your franchise isn't able to be saved. It just, what, do you think Tua is that good that you want to you want to build your entire potential franchise around him? Okay, so that's part of this that that I think is I, I do not see this plan working out uh, for for no. multiple reasons on both sides. You would have to have a lot of things really line up perfectly in order for a team to say in the preseason that they are going to tank for player X and then player X end up being the number one overall pick for this player. Football is so much different than basketball. So much different than basketball. Tanking. You play a fifth of the games that you do in the NFL compared to the NBA. The contracts in the NBA are a lot more long-term. In the NFL, they're yeah. short-term. There's and not you're also asking money. 53 men to go get their heads beat in for, uh, for five months so you can get one guy. Right. That's a great I, locker room to have. The, the, the likelihood of, of a team being able to execute a tank, in my opinion, is just not there. And I say this knowing that people are like, well, what about the, the suck for luck thing that the Colts pulled off in 2011? All right, fun little fun little story here. So I interned with the Colts on that 2011 team. I can't I look saw, at you after you said suck for luck. <laughs> I, that was a real thing. Trust me, it was a real thing. I was at every single home game, and there were Colts fans who believed that team was going to the playoffs at the end of September, even when they started off 0-4. They started off 0-13, I think, who was the that coach? year. Who was the, the quarterback? They had Curtis, Curtis Painter was the quarterback. Former Curtis, Curtis Painter. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So... 
There were Colts fans who were like, you know what, Peyton Manning's going to come back. We're not going to tank for luck. We're, you know, that wasn't really a thought until later in the year. He wasn't. Peyton Manning wasn't even put on injury reserve until the end of September. So my point of saying this is that it was not an active thing in the preseason where the Colts were like, hey, we need to do this to replace Peyton to be able to get Andrew Luck. It wasn't like something that they were throwing out there to Adam yeah. Schefter more than a year in advance of the draft and, and trying to pull this off. Right. So that's part of it. The Dolphins were another one of those teams that year that were thinking, hey, maybe we could set up this tank. They started off 0-7. They actually responded four and two, by going 4-2, and two, and then they fired Tony Sperano, <laughs> and, which is such a tank move at the time, like looking back. But that team still finished 6-10, and 10, and then they didn't end up being able to get one of those top two picks. They were number eight overall. They draft Tannehill. The rest is history. Who was so second? I, Robert Griffin? Robert Griffin was, right. was second, yeah. So I say all of that. Because we see a headline like this, and ultimately it's we immediately think, all right, Dolphins are just going to try and tank, do whatever they can. Team, multiple teams are going to do this, and they're going to try and be able to get Tua. All right, cool. On the NFL side of this, I have high doubts of a team actively trying to be bad, actually being bad, just because of what it takes to get to that point and the amount of right steps that you would need to have. So that's part of it. The other thing. We spend so much time talking about these quarterbacks who come in as top draft picks, and we pick them apart. And it is so rare Especially that we get closer. an Andrew Luck, that we get a Jameis Winston. Guys that come in as obvious number one overall picks coming into a season, their final college season, and end up being number one overall picks. And I'm not saying that Tua won't, definitely won't be the number one overall pick, but the, the, the likelihood that, that a team is just going to tank because he's this obvious number one overall pick I'm not on board with that idea. No, and I, but so all I could think of when this was reported, because the key thing here is, guys, I want everyone to hear this, like, again, the reason why this is even being brought up, because I heard about this weeks ago, and, like, you know, Mike Wayne Bratton brought it up yesterday. I saw somebody else bring it up. Like, there was an SEC guy. I think Clay Travis might have talked about it. And it was like, this is gaining steam. This can't be real. Like, tanking for Tua, I love alliterations. Great. This can't be a real thing. And... Then when Schefter reported it, Adam Schefter, this is the only reason why it's a big deal is because Adam Schefter knows everything. He's got right. two phones, man. Two phones, just like Michael Scott. So the, all, all I could think of as soon as I heard that Adam Schefter reported was that one awful, awful uh, thing they did on NFL Sunday morning where he tried to catch a pass out of a jugs machine, and it literally knocked him over. That's how I felt reading it. I was like, this is this is not real. Like, Schefter, this cannot be real. And the thing I'll say about Tua, and and I want everyone that's not a Bama fan to listen up and listen up good, because I'm only going to say this once, and I don't ever want to hear you guys say that I'm a huge homer for Tua. And you talk about the NFL, the main thing in the NFL that that team like that, that drives the league and front offices, quarterback play and getting to the quarterback. Am I right or wrong about that? Oh, you're right. Okay, yeah. so... We've seen what Tua is like when he's under pressure and people, like, he's rattled. I'm not saying Tua is not a great quarterback, but I said it before the Clemson game. You saw it during the Georgia game. You saw it other times of the year. He's not the same quarterback unless he has all this time in the world to throw. And if you throw him into a system where you don't have a great offensive line and you're just, like, running for your life and learning on the fly, not going to happen. It's the same kid that could be out Jalen Hurts the first part of the year. Okay, so here's what I would love to see. I want to see Tua quote tweet that, the Adam Schefter tweet, and say, nah, bro, make it 2021. I'm staying all four years. Now, that I would be down for, and I might might take back what I just said if that happens. That would be awesome. Oh, but, be I mean, it, but it's just so weird to me that, like, yeah, there's like you said earlier, there's so much that goes into the NFL draft and these NFL teams where it's like you're, you're saying that you're going to have to basically build 
this year's draft, if this is really your intention, you're going to build this year's draft around it, you're going to build next year's season around it, and then you're going to hope that you have the number one overall pick so you are in control of who you want to go get. Yeah, Dolphins are going 7-9, and nine. let's just face it. That's just what they Like do. they do every year. Yeah, they've, they've won between 6 and 10 games each of the last 10 seasons. That's hard to do. That's yeah. really hard to do. It's really it's almost impossible, but good yeah. for you guys. All right, Tank so. For Tua. If Tua goes to the Patriots, I, oh my God. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, let's talk about another former SEC first-round quarterback. Um, Tua's not first-round quarterback yet, but Johnny Manziel is back on American soil, playing in the Alliance of American Football. He signs a deal with Memphis. This came this came out after we found out that Zach Mettenberger went down with an injury on Saturday. Oh and sure enough, Johnny Football steps in to save the day. The CFL cannot hold him back, and Johnny Manziel is going to take over the Alliance. No, but how bad time- is Christian Hackenberg? Is Christian Hackenberg still on the roster? Because he wasn't the replacement in that game. That so I feel I genuinely feel bad for him. Not because the rosacea thing, but because oh, of, I do too. of this whole situation. Like he was so God, he should have stayed another year. But yeah, so Mettenberger going down, I hate to say this, because I, I he's a great competitor and, and he's a good quarterback. He's got the hell of an arm. But Mettenberger getting injured, I remember this happening at the end of the 2012 or yeah, 2012 Alabama game against LSU. It looks like a giraffe falling. Just the awkward little like lay down that always ends up happening. It just just Google it. It's it's worth it's worth a Google. Timber. It, dude, it is it's like I hate to say it because he's he's just he's so awkward about it. And so every time he gets hurt and gets sacked, it's like it looks like a giraffe falling. Yeah, I don't want to make make fun of a guy. I'm making fun of giraffes, much. dude. Uh, Johnny Manziel is going to have a chance to give a little little shot in the arm to the alliance because the timing of this it makes so much sense. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about March Madness this week, and and I, I thought that they were going to hold off on an announcement like that because you really wanted this to pick up some steam right before the NCAA tournament just because they got a whole a whole slate of games next week. I mean, they still have the second half of this season to go, essentially, and they need some people to, to generate some buzz. Memphis is yeah. sitting there at 1-5 in five right now. Like. They, they need people to show up to their games. It's one of the big market teams in the league. And I realize one of the big market teams in yeah, the league is not saying that much. But, yeah, um, they're competing with San Diego and Atlanta, by the way. The point is, and I'm not saying like you're going to tune into the Alliance over watching your team play in March Madness or yeah. something like that. But could it potentially at least take away some of that attention of, okay, I want to see what Johnny Manziel is doing from a social media perspective. Even if you're not watching the game live, yeah, you're going to have at least part. You're going to be want want to consume some of this because this story. There is a reason that Johnny Manziel is Johnny such an enigma. I mean, it, it it'll be it'll be interesting to see like what happens. And obviously, we're going to continue to talk about any major developments that happen with him in Memphis. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Then, and this, I was talking to a buddy about this the other day because I was pretty. We were, I mean, we were both pretty gung-ho about this whole AAF thing, and it's still been fun and entertaining to watch, but I didn't watch a minute of the game this past Sunday. Well, thank God, too. tournaments, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so and it's one of those things where we talked about the brilliance of the AAF and how they were piggybacking off, like, football season's on over. There's not even a week off, man. It's the week after the NFL Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff, and it was perfect. And I was I was telling one of my buddies the other day, I was like, the AAF kind of needs to, like, switch up their schedule. Like, they should have waited. and it's like, But they can't. Like, there, there they really is. Yeah. I don't know if there is a good time because – they're they're like they're going into the latter half of the season where you they're expected to start having their numbers decline. 
just that's all everyone kept talking about is like comparing the XFL and how like they had a great beginning to the year and then later towards the year those those numbers dropped every single week. What's that? Well, I was gonna say you can't have um, people that are saying like why didn't you have why don't you have games in the summer instead? But you right. couldn't have these guys if the, if you want to be a true developmental league for the NFL, you can't have these guys playing right. the whole AAF season and then going on to an NFL roster. Right. So I think it's just one of those things. Where I still think it's good. I think it's a good product and like you know. Like I think there's been a couple of players that I think have really helped themselves and, and will probably mm-hmm. end up on like NFL rosters and it's still been fun and it's football. That's the bottom line. Like at least we have some football. And I will watch Johnny Manziel. Like I would watch Johnny Manziel play flag football on a beach, probably if he was drunk on pina coladas. That'd actually be more entertaining to be honest. But like I the transition of like when I kept saying, like, this is great, man. Like this is it's not really competing with too much. I was I realized now I was strictly saying that from an SEC standpoint. You're not competing with SEC football. The SEC plays their basketball games on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to miss the Indiana-Wisconsin game like on CBS that Sunday afternoon because that's when like, Big Ten plays games. You know, But now, yeah, I'm not, I'm not missing March Madness most likely. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what Manziel can do for this league if he, you know, if he's actually good. I mean, in the CFL, he wasn't very good. Like he had a five to seven touchdown interception ratio with the second team that he ended up playing on because right. he could win the starting job with the team that he originally signed with. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen with this whole thing. I don't know if it's it is part of this this comeback season thing that he's that he has branded himself about. But you know, it's certainly interesting, and I think we're gonna you know we are as as people who have consumed the SEC, we want to see where this thing goes, and the fact yeah. that it has to run through the AAF is obviously a good thing for the league itself. Yeah, so. I think I hope what I hope is Kevin Coyle from the Atlanta Legends trades for him and then sits him behind Matt Sims. I think that's what we all would want and deserve. As Kevin Cole, Atlanta Legends fans. Still, Aaron, still Murray, Aaron Murray is free. Just saying. He's, yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Here's an exercise that oh, I did I did last week. And I, I, I thought it was going to get a little bit more blowback. Um, and, it, and I didn't. I ranked the top five SEC football-basketball coach combinations. Now, the, the way that I look at this is if you are an athletic director and you need to hire a football coach and a basketball mm-hmm. coach and they are a bundle they're a package deal yeah and you got to pick one of them which which ones are you picking and and yeah. you know keep in mind this is this is treating it like it's a 50 50 balance i understand that you could say oh just pick bama because you could get Saban and you get all the revenue that would come with that i'm treating this as a true 50 50 thing as if to say the football and the basketball are both equal parts in this whole thing, realizing that, yes, while Bama might have the significant advantage and that's going to help in certain areas, it's not going to be the end-all, be-all. So I, that's the, yeah. I want to throw that out there because I think a lot of people would just say, yeah, Bama number one. I don't think that at all. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I, interesting. So I, I was – I'm glad you, that you didn't I, – I like the idea of the article. I like the idea of the practice of the, what we're doing. You got so much blowback on this. I didn't get it directly to my account. Did I only get it on the SDS account? I know I got it. I oh, got this engagement okay. editor. I was like, I didn't write this. Like I don't like this. This goes into the whole thing. This this week is like Tennessee fans and, and Miss. And like I was surprised you didn't have Mississippi State on there for one. I was proud of you, but I was yeah. Those big. Those really big of me. <laughs> you can't say stuff like that. It's not big of you <laughs> if you say it's big of you. Um, I, I, I like the Bama being in the top five. I, I definitely agree with the Tennessee things. I think Jerry let me, Pruitt's go Let ahead. me run through the, t- the top five real quick yeah. just so that we can have some, some context with this because not everybody's seeing what you're saying. And I'm going to roast you. <laughs> I had South Carolina at number five with Frank Martin and Will Muschamp. I had Tennessee at number four with Rick Barnes, Jeremy Pruitt. Alabama number three, Nick Saban and Avery Johnson. Number two, 
Florida with Dan Mullen and Mike White. And number one, this was my easiest pick, was Kentucky with Cal and Mark Stoops. I love that number one seed. Let's go back to number two for a minute. What was that about Dan Mullen and, and, Mike, and White. Mike White? Yeah. I, why, I was shocked. Okay, so why? what what suggests that is is it more about Mike White or is it more a testament to like Both. Dan Mullen is not worth it yet? Because you're not just looking at one year at Florida, you're looking at what he's done the last ten years at leading State? up to this point. Yeah. Okay, well if that's the case, then why are we not talking about Bruce Pearl and Gus Malzahn? Well, I would say Bruce Pearl and Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn's in a different scenario just because he That's is, like a two seed for me. Like that I would have okay. that over Nick Saban and Avery Johnson. Really? Because you're okay. talking about a guy that went to a national championship game has in his very first year, and, and now that's, like, I don't think he's a better coach than Saban. We talk about a package deal, what, what Bruce Pearl was able to do at Tennessee. I don't care if he cheated or if that's what people are going to respond with. But you look at the past 10 years, Bruce Pearl, what he's been able to do, I mean, at Auburn and at Tennessee. Like, Auburn was the regular season champs last year for the SEC, correct? Auburn got a share of the SEC championship in the regular okay. season last year. And then they won the tournament this year. Like, that's... Back-to-back years, that's pretty good. And I understand the Mike White thing is that's impressive, three straight NCAA tournaments, but that's less impressive to me than than competing for where, like, and I know that Auburn hasn't necessarily done as well in the, like, as to where they're, like, they were a preseason top 10 team, and, and I think a lot of people expected more out of them, like, throughout the year, more consistency at least, and maybe more in the tournament last year. I am just surprised that, I mean, this is a Florida team that was bounced by South Carolina a couple years ago. That like had a, a clear and easy road to I feel like get to the the final four. I mean to, to say that it's a clear and you could say that with a lot of teams. You could say that with Kentucky last year with having to play Kansas State in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, the NCAA tournament is a crapshoot. And to me, what Florida has been able to establish with two guys who are who are young and you know potentially like getting into their prime. I think Mike White gets a lot of flack just because he's not Billy Donovan. And I think that the outlook is that if that's the comparison, that's a, that's an unfair comparison. In my yeah, opinion. tough. Florida's not going to be able to sustain the rate that Billy Donovan had him at, and I understand his last season didn't work out very well. But this is a this is a guy who has taken this team and got it to three straight NCAA tournaments. If they win in the first round, they're going to have four straight twenty win seasons, which does not happen at, no, I would at a take lot that. of Power Five schools. And I think if you look at Dan Mullen right now, there are very few few coaches in the SEC that I'd take ahead of him. I don't even know definitively if I could say that I'd take Kirby Smart ahead of oh Dan Mullen. Oh my God! I, I, I no, I'm just, I'm saying <laughs> I, I'm I'm not saying I'm, I'm not picking one or the other. I'm just saying that I think it's a lot closer. If you try and make the argument for who's the second best football coach in the SEC, it's a bit all over the place. It really, really is. One of and them, I think it, one of them went to a national championship in his second year as a head coach. I understand that. I understand that. I'm just saying that what Dan what Dan Mullen was able to build at Mississippi State, which you, you cannot throw that out of the equation completely. Yes, and you, what he was, okay. you can't throw that away. What did he build? What did he build? A November ranking as number one. They they are the same program that they have. They were they are an eight win a year program. I understand that. I understand that. You what can't was, set the bar lower because of it, where it's at in Starkville and say this is why they're ranked higher because he he was doing better than we all thought he would do at this this mediocre at best like they go to like eight, they went to like eight bowl games with him and they went to like four in their history before that like they were okay. terrible but you're setting the bar based off of what their history was not of like what they were doing in the SEC were they consistently beating LSU no they had the one year against Dak Prescott they were they haven't beaten Alabama in 11 years they 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 haven't done they haven't take they've never taken the next step into being elite in their own conference. They've taken the next step as a program from where their past has been. But that doesn't Fair mean enough. they're better than what Georgia's doing, going to a national championship. 
Fair enough. We I expect would say, Georgia to go to national championships. That's why. Yes, fair enough. I would say Dan Mullen taking a four-win team to ten wins in a New Year's Six Bowl and a top ten ranking, also part of the equation. Just okay. saying. Just saying. I'm not saying that, that, that Dan Mullen is definitely better than Kirby. I'm not saying that Kirby is, is, is miles ahead of Dan Mullen or anything like that. I think we're they're get, very, Twitter's very close. going to be on fire. All right. So my, my point is just that there are very few SEC programs that you look at that, that have two successful programs like this. That was what doing this kind of made me realize, two programs that actually have some sort of consistency. Let me just briefly with the Kentucky thing. Kentucky's number one because Mark Stoops is the reigning SEC coach of the year as a football team. Kentucky, yes, I understand the history is not there. Three straight seasons with at least seven wins and the season that they just had, still impressive. And then Cal is far and away the number one basketball coach in the SEC. So they've had Kentucky over the past nine seasons has had more first round picks than any other program in like going to professional sports. Like C Wright actually emailed us the other day about like they've had 26 first round picks and Bama's had like 25. And that's pretty impressive when you think about how like the NBA basketball draft works. Yeah. Um, I will say I one, I'm very angry with you for making me defend Auburn um, two days in a row. That was frustrating. But also I think it's a kind of a crime. You left LSU off. I, the South Carolina thing. I LSU, st- but the, the Will Wade. How do you put Will Wade on there when Will Wade is suspended and we don't how do you know? Put Will he... Muschamp on here. Yeah, we, we got shut out against Virginia. Do you realize what Will Muschamp took over at South Carolina? The disaster that Spurrier left at that program. He le- when he just he stopped caring the- for the last oh two God. years. <laughs> Spurrier left that program in disarray. Any South Carolina fan knows how bad of shape that program was when he left in the middle of the season, and he mm-hmm. just said, "Will Muschamp, it is up to you to take over this." It wasn't like Jadavian Clowney was just sitting there. He's improved every year. He had three win improvements, which is not an easy thing to do in college football. That's he, all I'm saying. He had more wins this year. Than last year, he had three win improvements in his first two years, which you can't you can't discount that you can't throw that away. He has elevated the program to now. We at least had expectations of <laughs> South Carolina to where they were, and they let com- us down on all those expectations. I'm saying you have to look at the program that they inherited. The same thing with Frank Martin. Programs that you're not starting off at the same point at all of these programs. That's what I'm saying. It's not like you're inheriting the same exact thing at Georgia with with the Georgia football program as right. you are at South Carolina when Spurrier leaves in the middle of the year. If we're going to con- compare the same final results to the end of this, then that's that's ridiculous. If we're going to look at this and say, oh, Kirby Smart went to a national championship, but Will Muschamp hasn't, get get, get that argument out of here. That no, is, I'm, that's, that's ridiculous. That was never my argument. My argument is the fact that why is Auburn not in here who's been to a national championship in football and has won a conference championship the past two seasons? Why are they ranked behind South Carolina? Gus Malzahn's not even wanted by his own bosses, apparently. <laughs> you can't say it's a ridiculous argument and then keep Auburn out, who's literally won a part of the conference championship for two seasons in a row, and then say, well, well, it's because Frank Martin went to a Final Four three years ago. Two years ago. but Sure. That's, you yeah. know what? Never mind. That takes away the conference championships that Auburn won. You're right. Auburn, Auburn could have easily earned a spot on this list. I did. Auburn also, I came up with this list before that what they did in the SEC tournament, which is part Should of it. Listened, so it's, bro. it's it's tough to it's it, obviously looking back on that now, it's a little bit different when you have that added into the, into the conversation. But the list is up on SDS.com. Feel free to give me the blowback that I that I felt I didn't get, but apparently I actually did. So maybe you didn't get blowback. Maybe it was just me yelling and, and arguing in my head. But either way, I'm glad we got that off our chest. Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> Wow, fascinating discussion. Let's talk about some more SEC hoops. Let's kick it to our interview with our good friend, Tom Hart. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is our good friend. He is a recurring guest as well. It is SEC Network announcer, Tom Hart. Tom, I've got to start with something very important. I don't think we asked you this last time, but elephant in the room here. Are you related to Kevin Hart? 
He is my taller, less rich uncle. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> that's what I thought. I could see the the resemblance in kind of the way that you know you guys both come across. I could I could see that there. But I, I do have another important question because Wait, I know we were just talking about this. I okay. have a question. <laughs> so this is unless my math is off. This is my second time on with you guys. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. That is officially Third? recurring guest. Second. Yes, so that qualifies me as recurring. More than one. So do recurring. I get a, yes. Yeah, do I get a ten ninety nine from you or your bosses? Like who sends me the tax form so I can fill it out for all this money I'm making off doing this? I got a tax guy, Tom. I got a tax guy. I'll send it to you. It's totally totally legit. I found him on the internet. <laughs> Anytime you label something as totally legit, it's totally not legit. Yeah, no, I found him on Craigslist, and he he's done my taxes the past few years, and it's, you know it's, it's great stuff. So I, I got you covered. Yeah, okay, we, were, we were actually talking to, to we were talking to Peter Burns about that because he was it was the third time that we had had him on. We had him on a few weeks ago, and he was asking us if, if it's like the SNL thing where he gets a some sort of like five timers blazer or something like that. Right now, I, I don't think we're at that point yet with you. I think we can get maybe a bumper sticker for you or something. But you're working your way up. You're kind of like a Dave and Buster's when you have like a few, like you know, you, you get a couple tickets here and there. But you need to hit hit the jackpot a few times before you really get the blazer, the the nice stuff from us. So you're you're getting there. So yeah, congratulations I'm, to you for that. Right now, I'm in line for um, either paddle ball or a handful of Jolly Ranchers. But you should know that contractually. <laughs> I'm not allowed to appear on any show in which I either am um, grouped with or compared to Peter Burns. It's it's a big, Ooh, big no-no, so by the way. He gets really embarrassed by it. Yeah. Even uh, if we I bribe you with Sally Foster gift wrap stuff? I mean, because that's pretty good stuff. That's <laughs> a fair point. I can't argue that. All right, so I, I do have a very important question. Because I, I've been very curious about this throughout the year. You have seen Tennessee play a, a lot this year. You've called a lot of their games. When they do that thing in the pregame warm-up when somebody dunks and they all jump at the same time, i got to know, what is it like to see time suspended for those brief seconds? The amazing part is it's kind of like, um, you know, remember when you were a kid and you were on a teeter-totter or seesaw, depending on where you grew up, depending on what mm -hmm. it was called? and the guy on the opposite side would go down really hard, and you would pop up. Like, no matter whether or not you <laughs> want to participate in the one fly, we all fly, actually, everyone in the entire building pops up out of their seat or leaves the floor for a moment at a time. It's truly amazing. I don't know how they pulled it off. I think it's the spirit of Ray Mears doing it. It's unbelievable to watch. And, I mean, like, in all seriousness, like, th this thing with Tennessee, and I think that the what we have – come to know about them is like they just do things differently they're kind of a throwback team I, I at the same time you know after watching what they did against Kentucky everybody's kind of ready to, to pencil Tennessee in as SEC champion and nobody really saw that coming the, at least how lopsided it was against Auburn you know was that to you did you watch that and think yeah this could be a sign of things to come in the NCAA tournament or was that game just kind of a, a rare case teams coming off back-to-backs and that was kind of atypical for both teams I was not at all surprised by the outcome on Sunday afternoon. Tennessee is really? um, they're a great team. I'm a huge fan. Um, I have them making it all the way to the championship game. Um, I think that they are they're primed to go on the deepest run that they've ever seen in school history. 
but at this point of the season, and especially last week, they're pretty tired. Um, you know, a lot of people can say that, but then when you get to that point where they've been playing the late game um, and they turn around and, and they have to play an early start against an Auburn team that obviously had a lot to play for. Not, this is not by any means taking anything away from Auburn. Um, but once those first two threes started to fall, uh, it was pretty obvious that, that Tennessee wasn't going to be able to beat Auburn playing their style of play. They just didn't have the gas in the tank. So I, I wasn't surprised at all, and I, I talked to Rick Barnes about that um, during their practice on Thursday, I think it was. It all kind of blends together. Um, and it's been a common theme for his team really over the last few weeks. You know, Grant Williams, I think, is, is a little bit banged up. Um, he plays really hard. He's deserving of being the conference play of the year for the second time. Um, but they, they could certainly use some rest, and he's trying to give them as much rest as possible at this point in the season. Tom, not to brag, but I also saw it coming. I'm sorry for my podcast partner, Connor. I also predicted Auburn to win that game. So, it's, I mean, that's cool. We can talk about that later. Regardless, what SEC team, because I feel like we kind of expect it from Tennessee and Kentucky to kind of breeze through, hopefully, at the Sweet 16. What other SEC team has the, chance, has the best chance to do some damage in, like, the opening weekend? Well, I think it depends on what kind of style of play you like. You know, if you – if you value guard play, for example, I, and I was on a call earlier today where this guy was really waxing poetically about how important guard play is in the tournament, and I, I don't disagree with that. I just think that it it depends on who your guards are, right? I mean, because the first answer to that will be, well, look what Auburn's guards can do. Um, but if you look critically at what Auburn has been this season, they've obviously been a different team away from home than they have been on the Plains. Um, Nashville's performance, obviously, an aberration in that regard um, because they, they couldn't miss shots. And Chumo Kiki and what he's played lately has been a revelation for him. I just think a jump-shooting backcourt team, is uh, that can be volatile. Um, so it would be tough for me to, to bet on Auburn to go terribly deep in the tournament, even though they're coming off of a great week. Uh, in that respect, I think Mississippi State has a chance to do some damage. Uh, Virginia Tech is a team that I saw a couple weeks ago. They're, they're dangerous. They're very, very good. Um, but I just think Quindary Weatherspoon is the most underrated player in the tournament. I mean, he could go for 40 on any night. Um, he could do some real damage because he doesn't have to live by the three. He can get to the rim. He can get to the free throw line. And, you know, sharing a backcourt with others, they, they can do the same thing, I, I think. And, and Mississippi State's bigger, you know, than a lot of people first think of. Um, so I would – I think Mississippi State is a team – Kind of on the outside looking in, I thought I think the five seed is perfectly fair. I honestly thought that the committee was going to underseed them. I thought they're going to come out as a seven or maybe even a six. So I think they're in, they're in a great spot that they make it that Virginia Tech game would be a highly entertaining game, and they have a chance to do some damage. So along the, those same lines, Mississippi State gets a five seed, which all right, you know Mississippi State maybe we were thinking maybe more of a six. I don't think anybody saw Auburn getting a five seed after what they did in Nashville to win four games in four days like that. I've tried to wrap my head around this. I'm curious if you have a better answer than what I could come up with. Why did Auburn get a five seed? Um, I don't know. I have no, I have no idea, but I think yeah. they have a favorable five seed because Kansas is not very good. Um, this isn't your older brother's Kansas team. It's certainly not your uncle's Kansas team. Um, they have had to deal with all sorts of issues over the course of the season when it comes to health, 
They are a different team than they lost as a bouquet. Kansas, in my mind, and I saw them twice in November, they were a legit number one team in the country in November. Um, shortly thereafter, as a bouquet went out, Legero Vick's not with them anymore. They're heavily reliant on their freshmen. And once again, freshman guard play, which you know causes you to, to question that you know, possibility of being being stable. Um, and we're talking about Mississippi State's guard play. I actually have Auburn beating Kansas and making it to the next weekend before they lose to North Carolina. And if you were to put the screws to me and say, wait a second, North Carolina-Auburn is a very favorable matchup for Auburn because North Carolina is not known for their defense and they like to play up-tempo and they like to run. Um, they've got great guard play, too. I, I couldn't argue against that. I think that could be a, a really fun game played in the high 80s, and that would be a huge benefit to Auburn if that's the case. But um, five seed being what it is, I think Kansas was overseeded as a four. And that's coming from a Mizzou grad, so you've yeah. got to take that perfectly <laughs> well, seriously. On. There is no bias there. Let, let me just say, I hate Kansas. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I got that out. Oh, I love the honesty. You got hate in your heart. Let it out, man. Let it out. Tom, <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me ask you another question that I'm not sure if you're going to have an answer to. Um, LSU without Will Wade is what? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Rudderless. Yeah, oh. They are rudderless. Wow. It doesn't mean they can't be still be successful and have fun. You know, even a jet ski going in a circle is a lot of fun on any Saturday afternoon <laughs> lake trip. Um, but you don't know where they're going to end up. Um, I was asked about LSU all week going into Nashville, and I had a simple answer. I have no idea what to expect. I thought, you know, they could lose their first game or they could win the whole darn thing. Um, and Skyler Mays almost did both for them in the span of, you know, 40 minutes of game time. So I still don't know what to expect. I know that. Those kids have been through a lot. Um, some of those kids apparently have put themselves through a lot, and they certainly miss Will Wade on the sideline from a coaching perspective because there were obviously some questionable in-game decisions, and the technical was um, a huge no-no, even though I thought it was a terrible call that went against LSU. And it was, it was funny. I ended up um, in a hotel with some of the Florida guys, and we're kind of laughing after that game about Tremont Waters just rolling the ball up the court and letting it get all the way in the, right. you know, almost to the three-point line. And I said, have you ever seen that before? And none of the floor players, and it's just off the cuff and off the record, obviously, they're all astounded. They're like, no, dude, never seen that before in my life. Um, so obviously you need better decision-making from from Tremont Waters, who's only a sophomore, but has to, has to play as an upperclassman. So I could, you know, I, I don't know what to expect out of them. I could see them doing some damage. But if they get Belmont in round two, I saw Belmont up close. Um, Belmont plays great defense. They shoot a lot of threes. They got Dylan Windler, who's a six-seven lefty, who's a pro prospect. Um, that could be a very frustrating matchup for LSU in round two. Yeah, I think that's that's my main question: is how much, as somebody that live bet LSU to win that game when they were down three in the second half, how much of that, how much of LSU's problems on Friday? were, in fact, from coaching. Because, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think that technical on Tony Benford, I think, changed the entire game. But how much yeah. of LSU's problems on Friday and moving forward are, are, in fact, from coaching? Well, you know, you would have to ask them how many of the in-game decisions were different than they would typically get from Will Wade. Right. Um, but more so, I think what Will Wade represented was this us-against-the-world mentality that they kind of rallied around. 
um, that was kind of like a middle finger to everybody else who was coming after them for, you know, either for what they deserve or for what would be a major slight and miscommunication. So when you have a coach like that who can take all those arrows and deflect the bullets himself as opposed to Javante Smart having to get up on the podium post game and answer questions, and they know, and they know they're going to have to answer more questions, and they know they're going to face more media, um, it's, it's more than a distraction. I mean, adults would have a hard time dealing with that themselves, let alone – 18 to 22 year old kids who are trying to perform at peak efficiency against um, you know some of the best teams in college basketball. So that's why uh, to me LSU is a huge wild card. And and let's not take anything away from them. Like when they're playing well, that's a great basketball team. You don't win the SEC, a league that gets seven teams in, um, and they win close games or five and two in overtime games. Um, you know, aside from that Florida one, Florida gave them the most trouble. It seems all season they didn't lose a game on a true road court. Uh, they, they do a lot of things really, really well. And if they can go into that tournament with a devil-may-care attitude and just play ball, then, yeah, they could make it to the Final Four. I just I wouldn't bet on that. I just think there's too much, too much weight on those shoulders going into the tournament. The team that I think has had another weird season, but for, for different reasons, is Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky starts off with this just – devastating blowout loss against Duke in the opener. And then it looks like, you know, they figure things out, but they're heading into to March having not won the SEC championship for the first time in four years. And they didn't win the regular season title either. But at the same time, I think, you know, Cal likes this team. And I'm curious what you think about Kentucky because you've been in those production meetings with him and you've seen this team up close. What should the ceiling for this year's Kentucky team be? They can absolutely win a national championship. And I think um, I think the way Cal looks at it, and I don't disagree with him, but I think the way he views it is it's totally irrelevant that they didn't win the regular season, and it's irrelevant that they didn't win the tournament. In fact, he probably looks at it as a benefit that they didn't have to stick around another day and play on Sunday. Um, so they get a day of rest and they get a chance to – you know, Reed Travis is the most important part of their team in this regard. He is the fullback that clears the pathway for P.J. Washington. And I was talking to Reed on his way in the building on Friday, and he told me, he said, I could have played in that final game against Florida. He said, I would have. There would have been more on the line because I could have played, but they didn't want me to, and I didn't think it was a great idea. And he said, I'm so glad I didn't because I felt so much better with you know another few days of rest. And we saw how important he was to that team. Um, he has a chance to do something. You know, this is why he came to Kentucky. He came to Kentucky to get to his hometown and get to the Final Four in Minneapolis. Um, I love the guard play. I love Ashton Hagens on both ends of the floor. It's a shame that Tyler Hero didn't get more touches down the stretch against, against Tennessee. I thought that it was odd that they kind of went away from the two-man game that he was playing with P.J. Washington. Um I love P.J. Washington. Nick Richards gave him awesome minutes on Friday. I mean, that guy's that guy's kind of the wild card for him because they're going to have some matchups, I think, in the postseason where they're going to need, you know, they're going to need size, they're going to need strength, they need a guy who can get out there and block shots. And he's a great, um, you know, he's he's a great front line player when he wants to be. So I like I like Kentucky a lot. I mean, the the Kentucky North Carolina matchup if it comes to that, is one that I'll take Kentucky all day because I think Carolina's strength is in their freshman point guard. 
you never know how freshmen are going to play in these postseason events, and they have a, one of the best defensive point guards in the country in Ashton Hagen. So you neutralize that, and that gives Kentucky a real opportunity. Now i got to change my entire damn bracket. So <laughs> um, No, I think, you know, speaking of front runners, favorites to win it all, Tom, uh, Bama is a one seed in the NIT. And I, as a Bama fan, I don't really want to talk about the NIT. I'm very upset about, um, you know, how the season ended. But does the outcome of that tourney or the way the season ended have an impact on Avery Johnson's future? Because it's, it, there's finally some unrest with, I think, some of the fans. But it seems like things are just going to, you know, stay the same going into next season. Well, um, no, I don't think it impacts it one way or another. Um, I think, you know, if if Avery Johnson isn't going to be the head coach at Alabama next year, it's because Avery Johnson wants to move on. It's because Avery right. Johnson wants to look for, you know, greener grass somewhere or different setup. I, I don't know what's in his mind. I don't know that um, those within the program are aware of that either. So, I wouldn't. I guess I wouldn't be surprised any way that would possibly go. But you know, I got called out on Twitter the other day because during the broadcast they said that you know he's done a lot for the program over the last four years, and people pointed out the win totals stayed the same, but um, attendance is through the roof now. When was the last time Alabama had a Colin Sexton? You know, um, right. he brought excitement, brought back to the program. He's done a lot of great things. And you just kind of have to realize, I think fans have a really hard time. It's going to sound odd, but fans have a hard time understanding where they stand within the stratus of particular sports. You know, um, right. Alabama basketball has made great strides under Avery Johnson, and I think they'll continue to do so because he has an incredible staff. Um, they've done, they've made big strides on the recruiting trail within the last four years, and I think they would continue to with Avery's magnetism. Um, so if he's happy there, then, you know, I, I think he's good for the program. I think he's good for the school. And um, I, I wouldn't – I'd be surprised at a change, but if, if there were to be a change, I think it would be because Avery would want one. Right. So we're going to uh, – before we do Family Food – before we do Family Feud, we want to get to uh, a few predictions from you because it sounds like you filled out a bracket, and that's a good thing. Um, so I want to know, uh, you know, just from an individual standpoint, who is the SEC player that you think could maybe catch fire and suddenly we're talking about him a lot after the opening weekend? I know I know you already talked about Witherspoon, but is, is there anybody else that kind of comes to mind as a guy that all of a sudden is just – you know, one of these guys that we're going to see on one shiny moment, and, and suddenly he's just in the national spotlight. Yeah, so the easy way out would be, um, Weatherspoon obviously would be on my short list. The easy way out would also be to take anybody in the backcourt for Auburn, you know, Harper, Brown, Okiki. I think all those guys can, can make noise. What Okiki's shooting recently has been magnificent. You know, you could throw Bree and Tyree in there for Ole Miss, although – I don't think they get past Virginia the second round. Um, Admiral Schofield is – I love Grant Williams. Admiral Schofield is a little bit more of an electric player, right, I mean, because of the way he plays the game. He could have a big scoring game. Of course, Grant could too, but you wouldn't be surprised if 40% of his points came from the free throw line. And, you know, it's tough to say that any Kentucky player could have a breakout because most college basketball fans are familiar with all of their guys. Um because obviously they're on national TV all the time. But I would say Tyler Hero would be that guy. Because if you look back, 
you know, even just last year, Shea Gilt just out, Alexander, for example. You look back over the years, Cal's guys, the great freshmen are the ones that you saw glimpses of early in the season and then turned into a great player and a reliable player late in the year. So I think the stage is perfect for Tyler Hero because he's just got that swag where, I mean, he doesn't even listen to Cal half the time. He's like, no, dude, I got it. <laughs> um, very Isaiah Briscoe-ish, you know, like, no, 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 no. I, I know what I'm doing. Um, so the stage it never seems to be too big for him. So I'd throw Tyler Hero in the mix. So the first weekend, I, I think I have like the SEC going six and one. Um, I'm also a homer. What SEC opponent will prove to be the toughest test the first weekend of March Madness? Oh, the first opponent. Um, now I've got to like actually reference my bracket. Um, Just say Nevada. So probably. Yeah, probably Oklahoma, um, and that's more along the lines of, you know, lack of, of real faith in Ole Miss based on how they played down the stretch. Um, same could be said for, for Nevada. Uh, you know, Florida Florida really wants to take the air out of the ball, and on top of that, they want to shoot a high percentage of threes. They had a nice run in Nashville, but Nevada, was a, Nevada has a talent to be a top-five team. They just – they did not have a good season, so they're a veteran team. They've had postseason success. Uh, now that I think about it, I'd say I'd say Nevada is going to be the toughest test for for any of those SEC teams. All right, and then last here that I want to get to before Family Feud, just just please tell us that we're going to get Kentucky Tennessee Part Four. I don't have a question. I just want you to tell us that that's going to happen, so we can feel better and look forward to it. That's what I have on my bracket right now. I'm looking at my bracket right Let's now. Go. And I have Tennessee, Kentucky for the third time. Winner, winner gets Gonzaga. Ooh. I love it. Tom, um, Ooh, we'll, do, we'll do Family Feud. I would, I would like you to um, fax me, because I don't understand technology, a copy of that bracket, though. I like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, Definitely do that. Fax. Ven, Venmo me 1999 and 10% <laughs> And I am so willing to, hear, to share it. Uh, perfect, perfect. All right, <laughs> let's let's get into Family Feud. We've done this before with you. You were fantastic at it. Uh, as a fellow Atlanta resident here, we're going to go over some of the hard-hitting stuff like we just did. Uh, but By the way, just quick shout-out to you. I always learn, like, two new words whenever you're on, so thank you for expanding my vocabulary. <laughs> well, uh, obviously you don't know all the curse words in Korean, so we'll share that for my third <laughs> I just got a Korean curse word word of the day calendar, so I'll, I'll work on that. Um, no, so we'll, we'll do Family Feud. It's, it's not really Family Feud. It's just rapid-fire questions. We got 11 on the docket today. Are you ready? Is Steve Harvey going to call in? Absolutely Let's not. Hope. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Connor. I didn't mean to burst I'm ready. Are you ready, though? Okay. So, question number one. We got two minutes on the clock. Here we go. Favorite episode of The Office ever? Uh, beats. Bears beats, bets, beats, bets, beats, beats. That opening scene is great. That is, that fantastic. is true. Okay, I like that. Um, question number two, St. Patrick's Day or Cinco de Mayo? St. Patrick's Day. Oof, that's a tough one. St. Patrick's Day is not my birthday. The other one is, so that's negative five points. Um, better SEC Bachelor or Bachelorette, Jordan Rogers or Hannah B? Roll tab. Jordan Rogers. I always go with Jordan Rogers on this because he hates hearing his name on this podcast. That's fantastic. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> okay. Fourth question. Thank you, Tom. Um, 
Fourth question, best spring break destination? Oh, it's not, you're not going to give me options? No, you 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 have to think among yourself. You have you have, tw- you have two minutes. Um, I once got arrested in Matamoros, Mexico, so I'm going to scratch Padre Island off of that list, <laughs> so and I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go destined strictly for the t-shirts with uh, Myrtle Beach oh. a close second. That was my first time in handcuffs, so there's that. Um, okay, <laughs> best springtime activity in Atlanta. No options again. <laughs> um, the new candy shop. Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah, I don't know what, okay, it's, called. I like that. Not what it's called, but yeah, that's, that's Candytopia. number one on the list currently. Yes, Candytopia. And in hindsight, I wish I didn't say the answer like that because I'm 32. Um, okay, <laughs> all right, next question. SEC quarterback from any generation that you would tank an NFL franchise for? Johnny Manziel. Love it. Love it. Um, all right, favorite song on, on any of your playlists? That's, I think Memphis tanked on purpose in the AAF for him, which is a brilliant move. Um, favorite song on any playlist at this moment? Well, um, I don't know if I'm going to have the words right, but it, it popped up randomly on my last flight. Um, uh, what's that song that goes, Don't Shake That Dunk to Dunk? Don't shake that dunk to dunk. <laughs> that sound about right? Don't drop that doot to doot. Yeah, that's perfect. You nailed it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> very good. How very cool current. Do I, I like sound it. right now. Like, my street cred is going straight in the gutter. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, it was already there. But it's, that's fine, Tom. That's fine. Uh, we won't say anything to Jordan if you don't. Better spring distraction. MLB, opening day, or the NHL playoffs? Tarasenko coming back. If the playoffs are in overtime, it's the playoffs, no question. Otherwise, it's MLB opening day because you can just kind of relax. Spring is a time for relaxing, not stressing. Oh, yeah. Amen. Okay, I like that. we got three more. Um, this is a personal one. I need your help on this one. Best wedding song. What was that last song I quoted? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, run, I'll run it by the fiancé, see if we can get that going. Um, all right, two more. Missouri's football late, record this fall. Just play, play it late at night. It'll be trust. I'm going to play it as she's coming down the aisle, I think. That's the best way to go. And I, the most overrated is Shout, okay? If Shout yes. stop like a minute off of Shout and compress it a little bit, it's a fun activity, but overrated. Too long. <laughs> That's the quote for this week. It's, Shout is a fun activity. That's it. Um, okay, two more. Missouri's football record this fall. Oh, I'm sorry. Repeat that. What is Missouri's football record this fall? Uh, yeah, I haven't looked at the schedule recently. Um, I'm a big believer in Barry Odom. I'm going to say that they go 25 and one. There it is. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Love it. Um, and last but not least, who cuts down the nets in Minneapolis? Gonzaga. Mark Few and Gonzaga. Everyone will learn Rui Hachimura. And the fact that his high school in Japan was one of the first where you didn't attend school. You could do it only online. And you would check in through your classroom with an emoji. Ooh. Tom, you've taught me Korean cuss words and now Japanese words, and this has been the best damn Monday I've ever had. 
That was awesome. That was really well done. How many points did, did Tom earn? I, I feel like that was a high you know, score there. He he missed that one about St. Patrick's Day, but that's 269 points. You, sir, are a winner. I'll wow. get my tax just, guy right on that. Just uh, Please, just tell me. I don't care how many points I had. Just tell me I had more than Peter Burns. Oh, yeah. He hit 69. You outscored by 200 points. Yeah. Wow. Not even close. Not even close. You blew yeah. him out of the water. Tom, we, yeah, we do appreciate you coming on. We hope was counting those up, but I appreciate it. I appreciate every point I got. <laughs> He's totally legit. Totally legit. Uh, Tom, we appreciate you coming on. We know that you've been uh, crazy, crazy busy the last few months here. Um, hopefully, yeah, spring spring is time for relaxing. So uh, go do that, and we will totally not take pictures of you when you're on air wearing pinstripe suits that we can talk about you dressing really nice. Okay? Not the least bit creepy, and guys, I would do it anytime. <laughs> Honestly, today has been the best three hours of my life. Okay, good, good. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. We'll do it soon. Easy, Tom. See you guys. Thanks. Appreciate Tom coming on. Um, know that he is super, super busy this time of year. That's what we forget about these, these SEC network announcements. <laughs> they, they do a ton of stuff. It's not just like, you know, we're, we're so football-focused and, yeah. you know, when March starts, we get a little bit more basketball-focused. But, yeah, they, they are crazy, crazy busy. So, uh, appreciate Tom for, for joining us. Um, all right. We've got fourth and wrong and you didn't show me these fourth and wrong i put them in the dock right just now they were in the dock like two seconds ago. 50 minutes ago they were in Not before sure. three o'clock um yeah also by the way like quick shot to what you're saying remember like that's what peter burns was saying about how football is like the slowest time for them which, which, is, which is nuts bizarre but yeah anyway so yeah we have fourth and wrong we have a light fourth and wrong today we've got three questions um all from instagram and let's get it kicked off so here's is the first question what is your favorite movie franchise to follow? That is from the real Jake Gordon. I mean, I was always into Rocky, and now that that has transitioned into Creed, and I look forward to those movies more than any other. Um, I'm not—I've never been like a Fast and Furious guy. I know you yeah. are, uh, big time. <laughs> not like, for the wait. same reason, but like, yeah. Yeah, but no, I and I never got into like I, I'm not like a Marvel guy or anything like that. I know that that hurts me. I've never been a Star Wars guy. I'm pretty boring when it comes to that. See, I've never been a Star Wars guy. I don't think people that say that they're Star Wars guys are. I don't think they're real men, Connor. I don't mean that. That was way too much. Um, I just have never. I mean, I grew up. I have, my mom tried to make me watch Star Trek, and I will never, ever, ever forgive her for that. Um, favorite movie franchise? I've tried to get into like like Marvel was cool, but they they've done too much. Like they've they've like had like. They have like a spinoff of every single different character, and they all have sequels. That's just way too much. Um, I love the Creed thing; that was good. Uh, I will say the my favorite, and it's 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 older now, but it's still my favorite is the Batman with Christian Bale. I yeah, those the, were really good. I forgot those the producer, awesome. director's name, whatever. That, but that those three, that that second one, um, The Dark Knight, is one of my favorite movies of all time. It, yeah, that's that, a great movie. One of the best best action movies I've ever seen. Yeah. So. No. Um, okay. Second question is, what's the best way to get through a Monday from Alexa Bridgman, 22? We have the same answer for this. Um, when it's not football season. This is an outside of football season. Yeah. Because when it's football season, you know, you don't need anything to get you through a Monday. No. You've got looking forward to Saturday to right. get you through a Monday. Got a bunch of um, stats and work to do. <laughs> but... Non-football season, gosh, this this answer is going to set me back. It really is. 
It's sitting down with my wife and watching The Bachelor, man. Yeah. It is. It is. It's being in one of my two Bachelor <clears throat> pools, rooting on my <laughs> rooting on my teams. Just just <laughs> and having a good old time. Just shutting the it's it, but here's the thing though, and, and my brother admitted this to me, my brother who just turned thirty and never understood why like what the appeal was. And I just started doing this a couple of years ago. Yeah. The reason that it's it's like it's a nice thing to do is you just get to shut off your brain and laugh and like have a couple glasses of wine, you have a yeah. good time. It's a nice thing to, to do on a Monday night when you're like, what do I have to look forward to today? Like really like <laughs> what's gonna not, make not me to feel say, alive inside? Not to like don't get me wrong, like we 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 love our jobs, we love what we get to do, yeah. but for the average person, the average person who's sitting there like Monday at eleven o'clock, just like how what am I looking forward to today? There's no football on tonight right. or anything like that. Watching The Bachelor. It's just a nice nice little thing to do. I'm so just, yeah, just going to throw it out there. We don't have the same answer necessarily. Yes, um, we do. Yes, I, we do. I don't mind The Bachelor. I, I like it. It was, it was fun. It's especially like, I feel like, you know, part of me is giving back to fiance after had her having to endure the entire football season. But it is also enjoyable. It's mindless entertainment. It's dumb. I, I told her flat out last week, I was like, I'm excited for Bachelor in Paradise, I'll be honest with you. It's like um, four months away. Keep is it really? Crap! They don't do that until the summer. That is stupid. I, yeah, I love how you're just condescendingly telling me about this bachelor schedule. Like, I, I should know it. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, no, so my favorite thing, I, and I, I'm pissed because I brought this up a few weeks ago and, and they took it away from me. It used to be like, we had this thing scheduled down to a damn science where we would record at 2 or 2.30. We'd be done around 4 and 4 o'clock, Comedy Central, you know how I love watching the, the office on TV instead of Netflix like a normal person. That would always come on. So I used to love doing that, but um, I don't know. Like now, like we, it's so nice out in springtime. We try to get out and go for walks and stuff like that. I go to Piedmont Park. That's pretty much how I get through mine. It's a pretty know. healthy way to do it. Yes, it's something, I guess. Um, okay, speaking of healthy, uh, we're going to definitely have differing answers here. This was actually brought up. I forgot the person who, who wrote it because I kind of switched the question around. Uh, they asked the standard question, what's your favorite fast food restaurant to eat at? We've answered that a bazillion times. So I switched it up here. It's Chick-fil-A. Come on. Yeah. It's it besides Chick Fil A, of course. They know us. They know us oh, too at this okay. point. Um, favorite celebration meal? Chick Fil A. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean for me, it's like this is going to be a pretty standard, boring answer, but it's a good steak. I mean, a good steak. Salmon. Get yeah, steak, sa- salmon. Ooh, man, gosh, now I'm just thinking about salmon. Steak, salmon, or ribs? Probably one of those three. Yeah. Foods. Ribs is like my my my. My wife's out of town. I'm gonna go get a meal that I wouldn't normally get. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat spend myself. A little bit I'm gonna more. eat until I hate myself. No, exactly. I'm, I'm gonna go to gonna go to Four Rivers. Get me some. Get me some ribs. That's those, those two or three are probably my my go tos. That's I like that. So ribs like ribs for me where I'm at in my life are great, but they're just not worth it to me sometimes because it's like a lot of work, a lot of mess for something I'm like gonna devour. Dude, like we used to have these. Fall off the rib. They were called knife and fork ribs at Houston's, and they because they would fall off the bone. They were so good. They were Danish ribs. Ribs are supposed to, yeah. They're incredible. These were like, it was incredible. And I remember coming off a shift one time, and I there was a whole extra rack of ribs that somebody ordered to go and never picked up. I ate it in like two and a half minutes. It's just it's it's not. I mean that's wow. that's a, that's more of a me problem than a rib. That problem. That is a you problem. But um, so I will say I think it's not a boring answer. I think steak, steak is oh man, I love steak. I had a steak two weeks ago at, at a steakhouse that, that I didn't have to pay for. Sick brag. Oh, nice. Um, it was one of those. Did you ran a dine and dash? No, no. I was, I was back in Chicago. So my mom was like, oh. we're going to go out for a steak. And so, you know, I invited my aunt and uncle and stuff. And it kind of got me thinking, if you have no budget, like if you're, you know, like your parents covering it and they're like, yeah, get whatever you want. What what cut is your go-to steak? Because I can go oh. a couple different ways with this. Filet is overrated for me because, again, the, the portion size is just not enough. 
Um, right. I, I've never liked prime rib. I've never understood it. My like Allie loves prime rib. My prime thing, rib's so, good. There's better. Yeah, so I'm I'm more of like a ribeye guy. Like the the yep. this is this is gonna make me sound so white trash, high class white trash is the Hawaiian ribeye from Houston's. That's still my go to. I've eaten that thing with fork, with knife, with hands, like more than I want to admit. I, I love that steak. Ribeye and strip steak to me like <sighs> money in the bank can't go wrong. Yeah, out. now I'm hungry. Damn it. Yep. So wow, that was that's a good that. question though. Yeah. All right, there you go. So let's move on to it might mean too much. So take it away, Conair. Just took you that long to say Conair. <laughs> All right. So Do you we think saw Nick this. Cage and John Travolta would be in your top five for for basketball football combinations. Let's let's say that for next week. We'll do football basketball coaching combos from movies. Let's not. Okay, that's because fair. also fair. It's Nick Cage and nobody because he doesn't have co-stars because he doesn't believe in them. That's right. He didn't know he didn't know that Angelina Jolie was going to get really really big. Just saying. That's fair. He didn't know that at the time. And gone in sixty seconds. Great, Great movie. movie. Great movie. Anyways, it might mean too much. We had a video that surfaced after Florida beat LSU with a you know I don't know if you call it last second three whatever you want to call. It. I guess it is he hit it with one last second. He three. hit it with one second left. Yeah, so I mean there was still time on the clock, but yeah. you know three in the final seconds. So Florida tweets out this video just trolling LSU. In the top half of the video is the Brad Stewart pick six. The uh, as one journalist described it, um, one podcast co-host described it as the loudest moment he had ever heard at a football stadium. Yeah. Uh, what this moment created. So they tweeted that video, and then the video below it, of course, was the uh, go-ahead three that um, Andrew Nemhard hit to beat LSU on Friday. Turn and the so, knife, bro. yeah, that was uh, that was, you know, Florida. I get it. If you're you're gonna you're gonna take any opportunity you can to troll you know your biggest rival, and when you can do it on a multi-sport platform Man. that you know everybody still remembers, all the more power to you. Like I, you know, I know this is it might mean too much to me. That's not crossing the line. That's just a nice little reminder of hey, you know, we're, Florida's, we're, we're not so, Florida's not making any friends on social media. I'll tell you that much. No, they're not. <laughs> they, they're they're they pretty are. savage. They really are. Um, they're not as bad as Vol Twitter, which is just outrageous still. But yeah, that was that was I saw that and like. But you know, it was also pretty cool about this. I saw this when when it happened live against the against LSU, like you said on Friday. The whole football team. Did you see this video? And like they had a meeting like in like their football offices or whatever Friday afternoon, and they come in. The meeting's probably at like three thirty or something like that, and they're piled into this room, and every single person gets there early so they could watch the end of the game like on like the. You know, I love that. Yeah, it was awesome, and like they're all going crazy and stuff like that, and. You know, then they got beat the next day by my champion, but it's fine, whatever. I don't know why yeah, I said stop. that and I bragged. God, I'm, I need to get off this Auburn kick. Yeah, you, know? you really do. You're bragging bragging a lot steak, about Auburn. eat it with a fork and not my hands, and just get back to neutral. <laughs> <laughs> so the way this is going to work from now on is, I, I think, tentatively speaking, our plan is to recap each weekend of the NCAA tournament. And okay. Do a Sunday night podcast that you'll get Monday morning. How do you get through a Monday? You listen to the yeah, listen to the podcast, podcast bro. We're going to recap all of March Madness stuff for you every Monday. And then we're still going to have our normal podcast that we go through. It might not be on Monday. We might be moving it to Wednesday, middle of the yeah, week. Like and we're going to talk a little bit more spring football stuff. We're still going to do interviews. But we just want to have that time where we can recap the NCAA tournament and not feel like it's completely dominating the conversation. So, And also, podcast, stay tuned because we're going to be we're going to be having a special one coming up here pretty soon. Oh, yes. Strictly oh, over yes. the office bracket, which is like, like again, there, there, was a, there was a tweet sent out last night. I should have, I should have written down the guy who who brought it up. I always forget to do that. Um, where this guy said, 
this is better than like the actual NCAA tournament or whatever. It's like, I, like I'm, this is all going to be focusing on all week. And I was like, man, that thing, that is like the coolest thing ever. It felt better than their paycheck. I agree. I can't, I can't awesome. you know, I can't argue with that point. Yeah. It, make sure that you are voting, following all of our social media accounts. Um, we're going to tweet it from uh, the the regular SDS account at SDS, and then also from uh, the SDS podcast right. account, and then if on you're, Instagram too. Yeah, and on Instagram. So you could vote in a variety of places. We want to make sure that you are having your input. You know, these are going to be open for 24 hours. Right. Um, that each each matchup is going to be out there, and you can vote on all of them. Of course, we recommend that everybody does that. And then we're going to be announcing this as we go. So the plan for the first round is to at least have the four matchups per day, and you could be able to follow along live. And obviously, once you yeah. vote, then you can see the results. So definitely make sure that you are doing that. Yes. We still have Facebook Live every Monday, Monday. night. Yeah, how do you get through Monday nights? We're just coming up with with all the different yeah. different ways to do so. Um, make sure that you are still watching that. And yeah, like I said, maybe maybe get over to one of these SEC uh, games in the NCAA tournament because yeah. I know I know you Auburn fans in Salt Lake. You're there. You're there. Oh, that's that's. There's just nothing more that I love than Mormons in Auburn. Yeah, what a beautiful mix that is. <laughs> Coach O, you rich man, you get back in here and take us out. Gone. The day's on. I'ma make it rain. Y'all have a good day. It might mean too much. Go get some Red Bull. <laughs>